Welcome to Quick Consult, the podcast that addresses the questions you were most likely to ask or should ask in a consultation with an estate planning attorney. Welcome to Quick Consult. I'm your host, Sarah Josie, an estate planning attorney licensed to practice law in Virginia and North Carolina. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Select Law Partners attorney David Dinelli about guardianships and conservatorships. How are you doing today, Dave? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so a lot about what we've talked about on Quick Consult up until this time is about having the right estate planning documents, uh, you know, a will, a trust, powers of attorney. But there are those instances where someone's waited too long um, and maybe they don't have the necessary capacity to sign those documents. And under those circumstances, um, I believe in Virginia anyway, that's when you have to go through the process of obtaining a conservatorship and a guardianship. And I was hoping you could just talk a little bit to our listeners today about, you know, what that really means um, and what that process as a general overview looks like. Sure. The the first um, part of it is that you usually have situations where one, where uh, the people are older and due to uh, medical issues, do not have the capacity to enter into a power of attorney, a will, things like that. The other part is where we have someone that is 17 years old and about to become an adult and they're still in school and their parents still make medical decisions for them and and due to issues related to their challenges with their physical and mental health a guardianship or conservatorship needs to be entered so with the the first one uh you have the ability to file for your child uh, once they have obtained uh, 17 years and six months so six months prior to filing for them turning 18, you can file in the circuit court for whatever county you reside in for that guardianship and or conservatorship. With the adults and maybe being older in life or having some sort of medical issue that arises that makes for the necessity of a guardianship or conservatorship, that would be, once again, in the county that they reside. The first part of that is obtaining a medical review slash medical uh, documentation from a physician, a nurse practitioner, or a physician assistant assistant that outlines the condition that they have and their inability to deal with medical decisions and or their financial estate. Once that's done, you do have the ability to petition the court where the respondent resides. So it's either in a county or in a city in Virginia, and you would attach that medical report that says that this is a necessity. Once you've filed it, you can then um, send in an order that would appoint a guardian ad litem. A guardian ad litem is an attorney that is qualified through certain training to assist the court in regards to the guardianship and conservatorships. They're able to do adult guardianship cases their role is to ensure that that is the best interest for the respondent, that something like this, a guardianship or conservative conservator takes place. They also serve as the sheriff by giving the respondent a 
copy of the petition, a notice of the hearing, and also going out and confirming what is or is not in the medical report. They also have a part in the final trial where they're able to call witnesses, um, give a recommendation on behalf of their respondent. Most of these cases are uncontested where everyone is in agreement that there is this situation or this medical um, diagnosis that prevents a person from being able to make those decisions. And in that case, it is a pretty easy process from the filing of the petition with the medical report, entering the order for the guardian ad litem, the guardian ad litem going out and serving the respondent with notice and the petition, guardian ad litem making a report for the court, and then the attorney and the petitioner and or petitioners attending a 10-minute court hearing in the county or city that you filed it in with the guardian ad litem report um, with the court entering an order that gives them guardianship, conservatorship, or vote. In that situation, to conclude it, you then meet with the clerk of the court and confirm that you will do your job, take an oath. With the conservatorship, the court requires, or the code requires, that there be a bond assessed to the estate. So whatever that total estate is, there will be a bond that the person will have to put up. There are bonding companies out there that will assist in that, and they only are seeking a percentage of what the estate is. So the first thing I usually tell my people, for, or the petitioners or my clients, if we're going to do a conservatorship, we have to make sure that they would be able to qualify, meaning that a bonding company would give them a bond, usually a, 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 a bankruptcy that has taken place in a, within a uh, short amount of period of time would prevent them from doing that. And then sometimes we have to file, find other family members that would qualify. Sometimes the there is a conservatorship guardianship where the respondent doesn't believe that it's necessary. And at that point, it, it turns to a contested hearing and the petitioner's attorney would put on evidence through the medical report, sometimes subpoenaing that doctor, nurse practitioner, physician's assistant to help them give that information to the court. And the respondent has the ability to hire their own attorney or even ask for the petitioner through the estate of them to, to find an attorney to have them be represented. And at that point, ultimately, the court has to make that decision on whether or not that person is in need of the conservatorship or guardianship. Okay, so just kind of as an overview um, of the entire process based off of what you said, there's, you know, maybe four or five steps. So you've got to obtain the medical report where, you know, it's the, the client's responsibility to have the individual we're concerned about take this person to a doctor to be evaluated. Um, and that's kind of the first step of the process. Um, how are they supposed to choose this doctor? Should it be someone who they see on a regular basis? Um, is this someone that, you know, has to have a unique uh, background? Or, or what do you usually recommend to people to get this medical report done? Right. So it's usually two categories. The first category is uh, our young adults. Um, 
some that are suffering or not suffering, but have been diagnosed with autism and that they need some help in regards to making medical decisions. Usually in that case, it's going to be their pediatrician through the years, and they're more than willing to fill out the, the paperwork. Um, for older adults, it is a situation where they do have a general practitioner or a internist that they've been going to for years and if they have a good relationship those doctors or medical professionals will fill out that paperwork sometimes there are hesitations by medical personnel not wanting to get involved in types of these types of situations and at that point you can essentially file your petition stating that you believe because of certain acts by them or admissions by the respondent that is necessary. And then at that point, you can ask the court to order an evaluation to be done by a physician, nurse practitioner, or physician's assistant of your choosing. And at that point, you would have a court order that would make the person go to have that evaluation. Also, in the past, we have been able to use prior psychological evaluations, um, prior individual education plans for young adults still in school that kind of outline a uh, mental capacity uh, issues related to making decisions. So once you have obtained that medical report, uh, you've done the majority of the work, especially for the uncontested ones. At that point, you, you file your petition and you file your order appointing the guardian ad litem. Okay. Once you've done that, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, so step one, medical report. Step two, petition the court. Step three, right. we've got the guardian ad litem ordered. And then step four is the guardian makes the report to the court. And then assuming nobody has any objections, the conservatorship and guardianship are, are entered uh, uh, with the exception that the conservatorship will need to post a bond. Correct. So what happens is once the order for the guardians entered and the petition's been filed, reach out to the court for some dates. At that point, we'll get a notice of hearing drafted, allowing the guardian litem to give that to the respondent. And then at that point, once we get the report from the guardian litem, thinking that it's uncontested, that there's no issues, we will go to court that day with an order appointing the petitioner as the guardian and or the conservator and then and then once you've qualified or have a meeting with a clerk of court or the probate clerk and raise your right hand and swear that you're going to do your job as guardians you're then able to act once you have the the certified copies of the order from the court you're then able to give those to doctors hospitals long-term care facilities schools showing that you have the power to ultimately make medical decisions and um, decide where that person resides. Okay, perfect. And just for our listeners, when you say respondent, what you mean is the person who has fallen under the incapacity. Correct, yes. And then um, one of the other things that we, we talk about with younger people that may need help in regards to a guardianship is um, once they are deemed incapacitated, and it is a term of art that probably should be changed, but it is what's in the code, that that person loses their right to vote, loses their right to drive a vehicle, and own a firearm. There are certain jurisdictions, certain courts that 
if the guardian litem believes that the person has the ability to understand how to vote, what the purpose is, things like that, that the court will maintain that right. Okay, so there's definitely a lot of consequences that come with uh, one of these being entered. Can you talk just briefly as a, as a last note here of the difference between what it means to have a guardianship over a person and what it means to have a conservatorship? Sure. The guardianship allows one to, in consultation with the person that you're taking guardianship over, making their medical decisions. That's the, the biggest right that that person is able to do for them. Um, also, along with that, you have the ability to determine where they reside, meaning that if there is a facility that may be beneficial for them in regards to dementia or rehab facility, they have the ability to place them there and to sign a contract in regards to allowing them to live there and, and receive their services. The conservatorship allows not only one to maintain the payment of one's bills through accessing their accounts, either bank, checking, investments, but would allow them also to sell property if need be for the state. Essentially, with the guardianship or the conservatorship, you're able to ensure that all their bills are paid and that if they are living at a facility, that, that income it goes to payment for that. With the conservatorship, you do have to do an accounting and an inventory with the commissioner of accounts on a semi-yearly, sometimes yearly basis. That's essentially an overview or someone that ensures that you're doing your job correctly and not using those funds for your benefit or something that the court does not authorize. Okay, so in the in the broadest of strokes, guardianship, you can think that's over the person. Conservatorship, that's over the assets. Is that a correct statement? I would say so, yes. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much, Dave, for talking with us today. Um, this was extremely helpful. And to our listeners, I hope you found these tips helpful and that it gives you some good questions to ask your attorney during the consultation. Until next time, I'm Sarah Josie, wishing you and your family all the best wishes and health, and of course, the best planning. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit selectlawpartners.com. The information in this episode is provided for general informational purposes only and may not reflect the current law in your jurisdiction. You understand that there is no attorney-client relationship between you and the host or any select law partner's attorneys. No information contained in this episode should be construed as legal advice from the host or select law partners, nor is it intended to be a substitute for legal counsel on any subject matter.